When you are building something no one has ever seen, something no one has ever imagined, who can you turn to for help? The answer is the other people who are facing the same issues you are. Those product inventing, boundary pushing, design obsessed folks who are just like you. Welcome to AWS Startup Stories. I'm Michelle Kung. And I'm Michael Copeland. What follows are the tools that work, the leadership practices that make a difference, and the lessons you only learn by building a company. And one more thing, what startup jockeys do with a very rare item, their downtime. So let's get to it. Welcome to the AWS Startup Podcast. I am here with Inu Navatia and Sujay Suresh, who are the co-founders of Bengaluru-based Zwende. Inu, Sujay, welcome. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having us over. Thanks, Mike. Hope you're doing well. I have to check in with you guys. I know you're not in Bengaluru, which is where Zwende and your home is, but you're with family in Chennai. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. We did manage to get here before the lockdown was enforced. So we are with family and working from home. Uh, well, I'm hoping everything is going well, and I know it is. I, you know, Full disclosure, uh, we know each other well, and we know each other well because we did an episode with you guys of an upcoming Now Go Build with Werner Vogels. Mm-hmm. So we got to spend a lot of time with you guys in, at Zwende and in and around um, Bengaluru, which was awesome. So everybody keep an eye out for that episode. But let's hear more about Zwende before I steal and spoil everything. So for starters, you guys co-founded Zwende. You also happen to be married. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But tell us about Zwende. And Inu, maybe let's start with you. What, where did the idea come from and, and what do you guys actually do? Uh, sure. So uh, Zwende is actually an e-commerce platform, you know, which offers customization and personalization of products, uh, which are handcrafted by makers and artisans uh, from all over India. So, uh, you know, as you know, India is, a, you know, country full of cultural and artistic diversity. And uh, there is a lot for, uh, you know, these artisans and makers to offer. Zwende as an e-commerce platform aims to bring their art and their craft to the world. I mean, to think about how the idea came about, uh, I've been passionate about this space for a very, very long time. And, uh, uh, you know, I was in a nice, happy corporate job. But before I got too comfortable in there, I thought it was time for me to pursue my passion and, uh, uh, you know, do something for this particular industry. Around the time, uh, Sujay was running his own startup in corporate training and development. And, uh, you know, I remember this one night coming back home from work and telling him, hey, you know what, I want to do a startup too. You know, he was like, okay, you know what, maybe both of us come together and do this together. And uh, that's how both of us got to starting Zwende. Uh, In particular, just about uh, the customization and personalization angle of it, you know, around that time we were setting up our house you know, we were looking for this very particular dining table. You know, we we looked around a few particular stores. We went to flea markets, online stores, uh, met a few boutique designers as well. And, uh, uh, you know, the more we saw different options, the more we started, you know, forming like almost like a mental image of, right. you know, what, what we'd like the dining table to be like. But nothing really, you know, matched what we had in our heads. We went to this place and, uh, you know, there was this particular person who said that, hey, you know what? Yeah, I have this table. This broadly meets your requirements, but it's not in a color of your choice. What we actually did was we went and bought paint and we painted that table on our own. Uh, What we realized is that 
when people are looking for products, they want to add a little bit of themselves to the product and they want to customize it or personalize it to meet their style and taste. You know, there are a lot of uh, boutique designers who do offer customization. That entire experience was sort of broken for the end customer. So my passion plus some of our personal experience coming together is what led to starting Swendy. Sujay, it's one thing. So in some ways you guys, and this happens a lot, you guys kind of built the thing that you needed, but then you guys had to, if you're going to sit in the middle between customers like yourselves and then artists on the other end, there's this sort of chicken and egg problem. You know, at that point you're, you're kind of a marketplace in some sense um, for both sides. So how did you then go from, Hey, we see a need here to, well, but we need the artist side of things. How did you go about bringing them into the fold? Sure, yeah. Um, uh, I'm just going to uh, take a dig at Inu. I love how <laughs> she said, <laughs> I love how she said, uh, you know, we went to a few places and we met a few boutique designers. Uh, I'd just like to correct that. It's not a few. It was a whole load of designers. <laughs> it, was, it was a whole load of stores. I think it was six months of searching and you know, not really knowing what we want, but, uh, you know, seeing what's out there and then getting inspired and saying, ah, you know what, I love this, but I want it with that. You know, I want this minus this plus that. And, you know, that's when we we realized that a store is not going to service our needs right? Uh, because they're, they're quite specific. And this wasn't just about the specific dining table that Inu mentions. It's about everything else that went around the dining table as well. Right. It could be cushion covers. It could be uh, curtains. It would be, uh, you know, uh, gift items. It was homeware. It was bags and accessories. It was a whole load of things that, you know, we just got married, like she said, setting up the home. So we had specific needs. Right. It was all about, um, you know, I shouldn't be saying my style, my taste, my way, but at least it was about her style, her taste and her way. Right? And you raise a great point because you, you could have answered that problem by opening a store or a series of stores or something like that, right? It could have been this kind of very bricks and mortar or traditional way of doing it, or even, you know, sort of an online storefront. But that's kind of not how what you did and how you thought about it, it doesn't seem. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm getting to is that then we started to talk to, you know, small artists, makers, right? The people behind actually the products that are getting made. And we spoke to more than 200 of these people and we realized that they have the ability to make things, right? Because the thing they have unlimited is their creativity, but the thing that they have limited are their resources. So we said, hey, they can actually offer the table in 50 colors or 5,000 colors, right? But why do they have manufactured only one piece in ready inventory? Can we not use a simple technology that allows us uh, to make their potential you know, visible to customers because that increases the diversity of choice. And then there is a higher probability of Inu finding exactly what she wants. Right. 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 Just by virtue of the, the permutations and combinations that are actually possible by the maker. So that's how we we came up with the whole idea of, of Zwende. And since we had spoken to so many such designers, we really, uh, you know, were privy to the potential that these designers and makers Uh, and artisans really had. And we said, we really need to get down to this because if we have a need and our friends have a need and our family have a need, we are sure the, you know, everybody is going to go down this direction. Explain to us then how the artisans that you talk to, you you talk about these 200 
artists that you, that you met with and, and spoke to and you saw that the potential you could unlock, how did they go about business, you know, when you were talking to them? And then how does Wendy both amplify or change that notion of what their business is? Yeah, so um, I think like Inu said, uh, you know, these are makers who go from one exhibition to another or one flea market to another. Uh, they make a few products or they make as much as their resources allow them to make uh, hold some amount of ready inventory and then, you know, either uh, take it from exhibition to exhibition or flea market to flea market. That was their primary. Uh, with the advent of social media, uh, it has become easier for them to launch online. So they have an Instagram handle or an, or an Etsy shop or, you know, some of the smaller uh, platforms that aggregate or, you know, they supply to a smaller curated store somewhere in the city. Uh, so these were the only avenues available. Uh, but then you, you do realize that, you know, if I have to, it becomes easier to launch, but it becomes very difficult to scale because now I'm a maker who's an artist who understands the art form and making, but I now have to learn technology. I now have to learn digital marketing. I now have to hold inventory to sell to five different stores. I need to now take care of accounting and transactions and all of that. So it gets really complicated and it's not an area of their expertise as well. Uh, so that's how, you know, Zwende was, was sort of built because we realized that the solutions don't, you know, justify the maker's real potential. Right. So that's how we build Zwende out to say, first of all, we need to offer managed services to these people. Uh, and then, you know, we need to take that ownership to say, okay, we will use technology. We will digitize your products and designs. We will make all the permutation combinations available digitally, right? So that you don't have to invest in, in making inventory. You only make it, you know, when the order um, arises or when it, when it arrives and stuff like that. So that's how the Zwende's business model sort of evolved. Um, and Inu, if you want to add on to this, you could. Yeah, I mean, Inu, I want to ask you that that from your idea, it sounds like a straight line to, to what Sujay just describes, but 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 was it? Like, <laughs> what, what, what did you think about at the beginning and, and where you are now? How did you get there? Right, so uh, I think, uh, you know, if you just think about what Sujay was talking about, the makers, they have unlimited creativity, but they have limited resources, right? That's what limits them from offering the world to the customers. Uh, you know, one thing we realized is that, hey, if you want to build a platform uh, which meets the needs of both the makers and the customers, you need to ensure that you celebrate the strength of the maker while you cover their limitations. That was pretty much the very beginning of trying to understand, uh, you know, how do we go about it? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, you know, cracking digitization for art forms, uh, sometimes, you know, really, really old art forms is, is not the easiest. There are a lot of nuances. And I would say that, you know, we started with one product category. We started with one, you know, particular art form, tried to solve for that. And of course, hit a lot of challenges. I remember uh, it, it took us almost three months to really figure out how this whole digitization is going to work. Right. The second part was really figuring out... Uh, who are the first few set of makers that we launch with? You know, and we, we went to flea markets because that's where they would go to sell their products. And uh, it, it was anyways my hobby to just go to flea markets every other <laughs> you weekend. You just happened to be there anyway, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then I had reason to say that, hey, you know what, this is market research for my startup. So, uh, you know, that, that worked really well. But yeah, 
uh, you know, went to flea markets and tried to identify three to four suppliers with whom we could launch. And of course, it, it meant talking to a lot more people, getting a few people to, I mean, until then, when there was just an idea on paper. So, uh, you know, what do you go and even showcase to these people? You just say, hey, I have an idea. I'm planning to launch this. And, you know, would you be interested? So, uh, yes, we did manage to find about four suppliers that we thought we could, uh, you know, test the idea weight and think about launching with them. Once we had that, the second part was really, uh, you know, figuring out the technology. Uh, you know, what do we need to build? How is it going to go? Because it's not your, uh, you know, regular e-commerce store. It has a customizer. You know, figuring out the technology, you know, using available platforms, building on top of that. That was really the second aspect of it. First time we launched the website, it took people 15 seconds to load the customizer. Uh -huh. And we were like, okay, this is not going to work. But then, yeah, I mean, from then to now, uh, you know, we've optimized it a lot. And, uh, uh, you know, we launched, we did, a, we did like a beta launch with about 500 odd customers in the beginning and then slowly expanded that to a wider set uh, just to ensure that, you know, all the teething issues are taken care of. And of course, I remember speaking to every single customer who placed an order in the beginning. We still continue to have conversations with customers. Uh, that's when you get the real insight. But I remember, you know, uh, staring at the screen, waiting for that order to trickle in and then immediately pick up the phone, talk to the customer, you know, hey, what was your experience like? What did you, you know, were there challenges and things like that? So, uh, yeah, really getting, you know, these three main pieces, the supply, the technology, and the customer side of it together before we could say that, hey, you know what? Yeah, now we're ready to launch commercially. You mentioned these really old art forms. So first off, how old? And what did you learn about how, you talk about this customizer, but these art forms are, I don't want to say rigid, but they have like rules, right? And they have a style and they have hundreds, if not thousands of years of like, hey, we figured this out. So how did you think about, and, and what did you learn about combining, you know, just today's technology with these art forms? Yeah, I think that's a really, really great question. That was something that we really battled with. Uh, because if you see traditional customization as the word understood uh, today uh, is, uh, you know, not what Zwende does. What we do is a design or a rule-based customization that restricts the customization options only to those that are allowed by a particular art form or by a particular designer. And therefore, the rule engine that powers the customizable options on Zwende is something that is very, very unique to Zwende. So in fact, to state one of our first launch taglines, and this is something a friend of ours came up with, was uh, that you know our AI is powered by 2,500-year-old intelligence, right? <laughs> right, uh, right, right. Yeah, because that's how old the art forms are. So some of the first art forms we picked were you know, 2,500-year-old, 1,500-year-old art forms. And, you know, if we were not able to maintain the essence of those art forms, then really using that technology and offering that customization would not have been as exciting as it is today. Right. Yeah. And, and you guys have done a beautiful job. I will confess that uh, we were together at a conference when I met you and then I was having dinner and then I saw Inu and Sujay sitting, um, having dinner themselves at this restaurant in, in Bengaluru. And then Inu had this great handbag and I was like, Oh, that's mm -hmm. a nice handbag. And she's like, well, that's from Zwende.com. And, and that's how we sort of had this conversation about what you guys were doing. And I, and I want to tell that story because 
it's a very sort of modern looking piece as a bag, but with this like beautiful artwork. So how did you guys combine, again, 2,500 year old art forms and, and kind of, or how did you think about bringing it more up to date as it were, or modernizing it? Yes, if you just look at the whole supply chain, uh, you know, there are artisans and you have customers, but there's a very, very important layer of designers in between. And, you know, designers are typically, you know, let's say somebody who's done a fashion design course in a, you know, design school somewhere, and uh, they work with artisans who are very well-versed with the craftsmanship and the art form itself, uh, but are probably not exposed to the modern world enough to contemporize these products or art forms. And uh, therefore, what Wendy does is Wendy actually works with designers who in turn work with these artisans, and they work towards you know, making it uh, you know, more relevant for the modern day consumer, contemporizing the designs, uh, choosing colors that would, you know, work better. You know, uh, a lot of Indian art forms tend to be very bright colored, but, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, designers who've come in and used, let's say, subtle colors or pastel colors, blended beautifully well with traditional art. And then, you know, traditional art, let's say, was being practiced in on just a few products, let's say it was being practiced on wall art or if it, it was being done on lamps. But we have designers who've taken this art form to many different products now. And this happens across art forms. So, you know, designers basically, uh, because of their, you know, let's say, you know, exposure to what the world wants, are able to work with these artisans and uh, make it more relevant for today's consumer. So we work with these designers and therefore, you found the perfect bag for your wife as well. Right, right. Yeah, uh, can I just add one line to that? Please. It's two things, right? It's one is the curation aspect, which is, you know, working with the right designers, curating the right, uh, you know, designs on products and stuff. But I think the second very important point is building a, a very quick feedback loop between the customer back to the designer, back to the artisan. And that's what, again, Zwende as a platform or, you know, our technology powers. Uh, right now, when you go to shop from a brand, you wouldn't normally be able to tell them, hey, I want this or I don't like this or I like this. But since when they says, hey, you know what, we customize. Why don't you tell us what you want? It becomes a great feedback loop for us. And we have built mechanisms that, you know, passes this feedback on very, very quickly to the designer and the artisan. And they are able to roll out new designs using our digitization. So let's say we have launched something in multicolor. The customer sees it, gives us a feedback. Hey, you know what? It's too multicolor. I need a black and white. Boom. You know, within 24 hours, we have black and white ready on the website. And so that feedback loop allows us to do fast fashion, you know, way much faster because it's only digital SKUs. Right, right. Fast fashion that happens to be 2,500 years old, which is kind of hurts your head to think about. Does it also help you anticipate kind of inventory? You guys talked about how these artisans would carry sort of what inventory they could. Zwende comes along as this platform that helps um, them not carry that inventory, but only make things that people have ordered, really. But does it also help anticipate inventory? So you just talked about, hey, black and white is is kind of flying off the shelves, as it were. Do you guys then sort of build up or have artisans like, hey, you guys better sort of stockpile extra in these colors or this product seems like it's about to take off. Let's Let's make sure that we have enough ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in fact, uh, you know, we have a lot of 
data sets that we work with and we you know have a lot of analytics that runs on the platform uh, that uses let's say merchandise data for products that have products or designs that have been made available plus feedback that comes in from uh, you know, customers. Uh, and then, you know, if you look at the whole thing, uh, you know, if you look at the entire purchase funnel, you have your entire storefront and then you have people who are, uh, you know, browsing, uh, you know, at different stages of the funnel. They've visited pages, they click streams, they've saved designs. You have a consideration set. So we use data from each of these levels of the funnel and not only use that in the front end to recommend the right product to the customers as they proceed towards, you know, proceed on their user journey on the website, but we also pass this feedback back to the suppliers or back to the designers so that they can predict what inventory they need to hold at various stages of production, not just finished products, but, you know, let's say if we see that you know, this particular color of fabric is really, you know, popular or this particular shape of a lamp is really popular. Uh, you know, we would go ahead and tell them that, hey, you know what, why don't you go and stock more of this and less of this? Because it's not just about what orders have come through, but it's also what users are saving or clicking on or, you know, what's in their consideration set. So uh, it helps suppliers manage their supply chain and invest in the right kind of raw material inventory as well and not just finished product inventory. You mentioned lamps and, and fabrics, and I realized that we haven't really talked about what, what you can customize on Zwendy. So what is the range of products that you guys are carrying now and, and maybe in the future as well? Yeah, I mean, we work with about 25 different categories now, uh, broadly in the domains of home decor, fashion, which is your bags, uh, wallets, scarves, jewelry, and then, uh, you know, accessories like uh, your travel organizers, Oh, well, maybe that's not too relevant today, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Organizers. Yeah. Organizers, desk accessories and uh, keychains and knickknacks. So, uh, you know, home decor would mean a bunch of stuff. Your uh, furnishings, your lampshades, uh, wall decor, wall art, name boards. Name boards are a very popular category. You know, a b- bunch of stuff around that. And uh, yeah, we, we're soon pl- planning to get into, let's say, uh, you know, apparel that doesn't require a fit. So, you know, really, you know, go deeper into scarves, stoles, something called a dupatta, which, you know, very, very critical part of Indian wear, saris, uh, these kind of things as well. So, uh, yeah, that, that's broadly the range that we work with. One other very interesting point is that, you know, we, we don't just offer products on the website. We also offer what we call learnings and experiences. So people can actually come in and, you know, try a workshop, uh, learn a particular art form, which is being taught by, again, these makers and artisans and designers from all over the country. So, uh, you know, we realize that these makers, uh, you know, when you want to, they, they have a lot more to offer. Their creativity can be manifested not just in products, but also in, you know, teaching the art to somebody or just showcasing their craftsmanship or, you know, even like, you know, we plan to get into virtual tours like, uh, you know, let's say the puppet show you know, offer that virtually as well for people from anywhere in the world to uh, indulge in some, you know, little bit of Indian tradition and culture. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it too much, but in Now Go Build, um, in, in, in the Zwende sec- segment, we, we got to go to this village, Namalakunta, and there are artisans that have painted on leather um, these kind of shadow puppets and then put on these shows that are incredible. And the shows are incredible, but what's also incredible is just the artwork and the art form. And that art form shows up in Zwende and the, the whole combination is really just beautiful. 
Yeah, um, and I'd just like to add to this, which is, you know, it's it's almost like what Jeff Bezos says, right? We should also know what we don't want to do. And I think we are very clear that we don't want to get into, you know, anything that requires a very specific fit, because that's a dimension we don't really understand. And that's what Inu was saying is, you know, apparel that require a fit, uh, you know, somehow we we don't want to get into that. Right. And the second filter we had for when they was products that are, you know, easy to package and ship. And therefore, we don't have any large furniture. So while the story starts with the dining table, we don't offer dining tables as of today. <laughs> <laughs> right, someday. So, yeah. yeah, someday we will. But I think so initially, we also had to pick our battles. And I think it's really about knowing what not to do. Right. And like Inu said, experiences and learning were a natural extension because uh, like we said, uh, our philosophy has been that the maker has unlimited creativity uh, which can manifest itself in multiple ways. So why restrict just to products? Right. I know what you can do for customers because I've been a customer, uh, full disclosure. But from the artisan side, you know, you guys described at the beginning all these, whether it's billing and managing the accounting and inventory and, you know, ordering and all that kind of stuff, that sort of, I, I think of it as middleware layer in some ways, but manage services, right? So you guys free the artisans up to do what they're good at, which is create things. But what, again, like what has that meant for them? And, and what do you see these artisans now able to do and what's changed for them? So there's a very interesting statistic that, you know, a lot of uh, these platforms, um, the maker only spends about 51% of his or her time on the making aspect and about 49% of, of their time is spent on other activities, right? Such as billing, shipping, packaging, accounting, you know, taking care of inventory, uh, you know, listing, uh, doing the photography, doing the editing, writing uh, descriptions, uploading on the website, managing their online stores, then doing digital marketing, yes, investing in that, and a bunch of other activities. So you can imagine that for these small makers, you know, it becomes so overwhelming. And another interesting fact is most of, let's say, 70-80% of the small makers or designers who start their own practice or their own brand uh, shut down uh, because you know they are stuck with inventory that hasn't sold and because it really becomes overwhelming for them to manage uh, the business. So I think that journey from making your passion into a thriving business is what Zwende helps them achieve. Uh, and to answer your question directly, I think what Zwende does is it empowers these small makers to become part of a thriving business, to build their business out and become uh, an entrepreneur, if we may call it, and without having to take up the burden of actually running the business. So if you look at a day in the life of a maker on Zwende, you know, they're just processing the orders, right? They get the orders, they make it, they tell us it's ready. And then, you know, we do the, the you know, shipping and packaging as well. Uh, so you imagine that the maker is now not doing anything. They're just having a cup of coffee with us or they're having a call <laughs> in today's right. world. And, you know, getting everything online is Zwende's responsibility. But in doing that and, and being able to focus on what they're good at, does it help them focus on the business? I mean, like you said, most, you know, a lot of these businesses don't make it because maybe they're just not good at, at, at doing everything. But does that, what Zwende powers, help them as, as a really as a business? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when, when we take care of all of these things, right, and they are able to make more, now their storefront on any other platform may have 50 SKUs listed. But on Zwende, they may have, you know, 50,000 SKUs listed, 
which means now they are doing a lot more sale through zwende uh, as opposed to another platform simply by virtue of their store being lot larger right and them not really having to do the management of you know marketing this getting it to people uh, and that's what zwende is really good at so when when a consumer comes into a particular designer store it's it's way larger it has way too many options and then going back to you know inu saying yeah you know what i love this i want it in that color can i get it and the answer on zwende is yes right. but for the same maker the answer on another platform could have been no so it it does help them grow their business by virtue of increasing their their store size and therefore virtue of increasing the probability of their sale i'd like to add to that uh, now that makers actually have freed up time from administrative aspects or from the uh, marketing and operation side of things one of the things that we've seen is a lot more new designs coming in a lot more frequently so uh, you know every now and then we have designers saying that hey you know what i had some time and you know i've launched a new collection let's say uh, you know a christmas collection or let's say you know introducing a new series of designs or a new series of colors so going back to what Sujay was saying earlier about uh, you know fast fashion and our digitization being able to empower fast fashion or enable fast fashion very very easily uh, you know we've seen makers really grow their collection not just from what it was and what we brought out on our platform but you know also by them just having more time to work on newer products and newer designs so you know that keeps the freshness of designs alive that helps them launch topical stuff and of course uh, you know test the market with uh, you know hardly any investment in manufacturing inventory and trying to sell right right you get to put something out there in the world and see if people like it and then uh, you know as you see that they do make more of it yeah yeah Well, I want to get to these questions and I have a an a, a bonus question for you both. But let's start Inu with you. <laughs> Do we also get a gift hamper if we win this right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, well, yeah, if you if you get this right, uh, there's a prize at the end. No, there's no prize. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Inu, let's start with you. A tool that you use on a regular basis. It could be technical, it doesn't have to be, but it could be you can't say your phone, you can't say your uh uh, what? What else have I heard? Your Slack channel, but <laughs> something that you couldn't live without. Oh, that would be my yoga mat. Ah, I thought you were going to say yeah. Sujay, but uh, okay, your yoga mat. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh. just a little better than a tool. <laughs> <laughs> At right. least I would like to think so. <laughs> Explain this. Why your yoga mat? Oh, well, so I've been, uh, I've been practicing yoga for about 15 years now. And uh, yeah, I do it every day. So now I can't imagine... a day where i haven't really done some yoga i mean it not it it need not be an hour long session every day but yeah i i do yoga uh, it, it helps me i mean you know running a startup is tough so you need to do something to calm your nerves right right so it helps you sort of get out of your head or maybe even focus yeah. your head for that matter oh that's yeah. a good one what color is your yoga mat you seem very particular about uh, the color of things so oh well so you have to hear this that the latest yoga mat that i'm using is actually made out of cork it's not made of foam so uh, this is uh, uh, the same cork that would go on your wine bottle holders right. so that's processed into uh, you know that's been you know this yoga mat is made of cork uh, so it's natural color but it's got uh, block printed flowers on it and it's it's yellow and blue and pink flowers on it ah nice yeah my style my taste my way mike yeah oh clearly <laughs> all right sujay uh you're next 
a leadership practice or routine, something you guys do with this one day team um, that you think really works? Yeah. So um, I would say, you know, two things. One is empowerment. And the second is a status uh, update or a status check. So I think, uh, you know, these are two things that are sort of contrary, but I think these two things work really well together. Uh, so, so we don't want to, you know, not empower people to take decisions. So we, we take pride in the fact that every team member is able to take decisions on their own, whether it is the customer service person talking to the customer, you know, whether it is the supply onboarding people talking to the suppliers, you know, we give them full empowerment and say, you know, guys, um, you guys are, are the decision makers. Think of this like your own startup. And, you know, uh, it, it really matters to us that, you know, they, they think in the right direction as we do. And I think that is more important, but not on a day-to-day basis. Having said that, I think it's very important for us to put into place, uh, you know, a, a regular update or a status check sort of a mechanism. Uh, and that is not so much to control them, but it is to function more like a fire engine and be available to, you know, take care of any emergency questions or situations that they have. And I think as a leader or as leadership, we are most satisfied when we are idle. Uh, And I think that is the best state scenario, which is the fire engine shouldn't have to leave the fire station at all. Right. How are those two things working? I mean, as, as, we all are. You guys are working remotely and your team is, is spread around a little bit around India. How are those two things working at the moment now and during this period? Yeah, um, I think uh, there were two good things that happened to us. One is that um, we almost saw this situation emerging. So I think a week before the lockdown actually was announced, we had actually sent the entire team home. So they actually had time to settle in and you know get into uh, the online working space, right? And we don't even call it work from home anymore. It's just work from anywhere. So any place that people are comfortable with, you know, we have people, uh, you know, from all parts of India now, from the far east, uh, south, north, all over the place. And it really doesn't matter because I think uh, as long as we are all aligned to the vision, and I think in that sense, what we have told the team and what we try to do is over communicate uh, because it's not a scenario where we are able to sense what the other person is feeling you know, we don't see them day to day. So I think what we've told them is just over communicate. So we have all channels uh, open for them to communicate with us. So much like an open door policy in an office, uh, we have an open channel policy. So it could be, you know, WhatsApp, Slack, uh, email, uh, call, what be it, right? Skype, Zoom, whatever. So we are available 24 hours on any of these channels for people to reach out. And I think we tell them also to be over communicative about anything that they want or they're enjoying or not enjoying because it's very difficult to assess that uh, in a remote working situation. Right, right. But you still have this combination of empowerment and status, right? The the fire engine's ready to go, albeit in a remote way uh, because of that open lines of communication, I imagine. Um, but also, you know, people can handle stuff as they will and as they do um, because they are empowered to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the one of the things we, we keep telling people, uh, and this is something one of our mentors told us also, is as long as we are facing new problems every time, it's absolutely fine. We can't be facing the same problems again and again. So right. I think that's sort of the directive uh, we've given the team. Yeah, that's a, re- that's a really good point. Inu, back to you. A lesson learned. Now, this can be something that you were happy to learn or something that you 
would rather never have to learn again. <laughs> I, I hope it doesn't have to do anything about working with the husband. Yeah, I can't. And yeah. Mm. So one of the things that, you know, I've learned and I think uh, entrepreneurship's taught me a lot more of that than my corporate job is to experiment a lot. And, uh, you know, the reason why I say this is that, you know, many times I've gone in doing something and saying that, bang, this is going to work. And, you know, I fall flat on my face. Then there are times when I don't expect something to work at all. And that works wonders. So I've been caught by surprise and shock a lot of times. And, uh, you know, one big lesson that I've learned is, you know, it's okay to fail, but it's not okay to not experiment. It's not okay to not try because uh, you experiment a lot. You be agile. You can course correct from there. And then, you know, you, you will get to what you want to do or what you want to achieve. But if you don't try and if you if you have the fear of failure, uh, then you've not really tried and you, you're probably farther than your goal than you would be if you had tried. So right. I think it would be experiment a lot, fail early and uh, yeah, keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Is there an example you can give us about where you experimented and failed, and the but from that failure came ah, we actually here's the way to do it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to take a product launch as an example. There was a time when we launched, we had just four suppliers, and uh, you know, we said that you know what. Uh, uh, we're going to experiment with these four suppliers. We're going to do a beta test, blah, 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 and then try to see what customers want. You know, from then on, we started adding suppliers, uh, you know, or product categories very, very slowly. Uh, and it, it was just, you know, maybe one a month in the beginning. And we felt like, okay, you know what? We should just stick to the supply and we should try to grow demand. And uh, we, we hit a plateau. We hit a plateau at some point and uh, we were not able to find more customers for what we already had, partly because our marketing budgets are very, very limited. We're still like bootstrapped largely. So, uh, you know, we stuck to that for a while. And then uh, one fine day we said that, hey, you know what, maybe we should open up the supply side a little bit and experiment a little more, uh, launch a few different categories. It was around that time that a customer actually asked us if we could, uh, uh, you know, make a name board. Uh, and it was, again, one of those classic mix and match things that, uh, you know, she did on the website and sort of, you know, drew something on paper and sent it to us. And, uh, you know, one of our suppliers was able to fulfill that. By name board, this is something that would sit outside my house or in my house or and just say, hey, this is where Inu lives. Yeah, absolutely. It would be outside your house, uh, uh, you know, which would just say, let's say, you know, the Copelands right. uh, okay. outside your house. Yeah. And uh, basically what this customer saw was, you know, we had these lampshades which had wooden bases and there was like this art on the lampshade. Uh, and what she basically wanted was a wooden name board uh, with the same art, uh, you know, as is on the lampshade. Uh, but made in the wood of the base. So she was trying to do, uh, you know, kind of a customization that we actually don't offer because this is a new product from scratch. But then we listened to customers and we went back to the same supplier and, you know, asked them if they could make it. And they said that, yeah, we will make it. So around this time when we were trying to open up supply, you know, we said that, hey, you know what, uh, you know, we had launched name boards. Why don't we go in and just put it out there and see what the reaction is like? And within an hour of taking that online, we had like 35 orders by just not doing any marketing, but oh, just wow. putting it out there, organic traffic. And we were like, oh, wow, th this is working. So had we decided to not, like we decided and we thought that, hey, you know what, the supply that we have, 
we will be able to find customers with whatever marketing budget we have. And we struggled. There was a time we, it plateaued and then we said, okay, uh, let's try to experiment and launch something new. And this was a product category that was coming from what a customer had ordered. And that worked brilliant. So today we actually have name boards in, uh, inspired by 10 different art forms, you know, by 12 different suppliers right now. So it's one of our fastest growing large, you know, large categories. And uh, yeah, we plan to further deep dive into this category. Yeah, that, that, that's a great example. All right, I, I want to ask the bonus question now, and then we'll we'll get to the final question that we usually ask. You know, when 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 you start a, a company, when you build a startup, everybody, you know, the sort of cliche is that like, well, you know, it's like being married. Um, it's like entering into a marriage. You guys are literally married. So, how do you guys work together, and how do you guys manage both building this startup, which is super intense, and then and being married at the same time? Yeah, we've just gone one step ahead. We say, uh, you know, startup is like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So- yeah, so, so we're married. So anybody says, yeah, you don't have children anymore. We're like, that's our first baby. And that's when they, you know, we're helping it grow. We're nurturing it. We're spending all our time with it. So, so you know, that's that's one way to put it. I think the other way to put it is that Sujay just decides to say, you know, you are right. And that eats <laughs> up everything, every single time. Well, as we know, you know, you are right most of the time. So there is that. <laughs> okay, final question for both of you guys. What are you binging on? What are you reading, watching, eating for that matter? I know you guys have an incredible garden where you are right now. Thanks to uh, Sujay's father, Solar Suresh. And Solar is a nickname. That's not his actual name. (laughs) So what are you reading, watching, eating, listening to? Sujay, let's start with you. Yeah. uh, So I'm I'm reading The Lean Startup for a third time over. Uh, I think it's, it's more relevant every time I go back to it. So that's one book that I'm reading right now. And as for binge watching, I I was binge watching uh, the new uh, series Perry Mason ah. uh, because I I loved reading his novels and I really enjoyed the first season of Perry Mason. It was amazing. Ah, oh, I haven't seen that. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, Inu. So, Jay, you don't want to talk about what you're eat, what you're binging on, as in food wise. No, because you've been binging. I've just been cooking. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say that I'm binging on food cooked by Sujay. So, you know, he's trying his hands at cooking and I must say he's good. So Thai basil fried rice and uh, uh, chili paneer and then, uh, yeah, a lot of good food being cooked by Sujay. So that's one. She's been doing a lot of, yeah, she's been doing a lot of gardening, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we we have about 50 different varieties of vegetables growing right now. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, uh, binge watching, I must, uh, I mean, I will confess it's marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I just can't get enough of it. So I've been binge watching that. And uh, a lot of my reading is more focused on work-related reading. So no hobby reading right now. Hey, there's another show that you're binge watching right now. I don't know the name. It's called Gilmore Girls. Ah, there you this is go. One of those guilty pleasures, <laughs> I understand. Yeah. <laughs> What's next for Zwende? Like, what are you guys looking forward forward to, and and what are you planning? Uh, you know, as we come out of this eventually, um, as your team gets back together, where are you guys headed next? Yeah, I think the most looked after event right now, specifically, is the Now Go Build Show. So I think the entire team is super excited about it, and we're really looking forward to that. But I think beyond that, uh, you know, we are we are we are seeing some tremendous growth uh, right now for the business. I think, uh, you know, the business model that we have of 
of people working from home you know these are small makers uh, making exactly what customers want and i think uh, you know in in current times it's become even more important you know the the distributed uh, sort of supply that we have uh, so even if you know some pin codes go into lockdown even if uh, you know something stop here and there there's a bunch of other people that are you know still available to service customer needs and requirements and to build that diversity to create a platform that is you know truly global uh, and i think uh, inu has a good sort of summary line for it uh, so i am not going to steal it i'm going to let her say it inu you can you can call that line out yeah i mean uh, it's it's what we say always is to you know empower artisans in the remotest uh, parts of india to give people exactly what they want anywhere in the world so that really would be our dream and vision uh, uh, for swendey we we have a lot more uh, a lot more new art forms launching over the next uh, few months so stay tuned for that and uh, definitely towards the end of the year uh, more slick website with a with an even better user experience all right well we will look out for all of that and of course the now go build episode so we can put uh, faces to voices but i want to thank you guys so much i wish i could come over for dinner and uh, sample sujay's cooking um seems like he's gotten better and better during this period so dinner uh, at your house next time and we will keep an eye out on zwendey and i just want to thank you both sujay suresh and inu navatia co-founders of zwendey thank you mike it was a pleasure it was an absolute pleasure stay safe and take care If you are looking to get started on the cloud with AWS, our Activate program provides startups with a host of benefits including AWS credits, technical support, training, and other resources to help grow your business. Head to aws.amazon.com/activate for more. Do us a favor and leave us a review, and if you know someone who we should have on the show, or maybe it's you, Reach out to us at startupstories@amazon.com and subscribe to AWS Startup Stories wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.